Hi, and welcome back to Game Time Podcast. With your hosts, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai So, with the NFL Draft now just over a week away, Shai and I decided to do a joint mock draft of the first round. So, in order to get to every pick, let's get right into it, because it's Game Time! So, Shai, who's again on FaceTime for this edition, maybe the number one pick was the easiest pick to make, and the most obvious pick to make, it has to be the hometown kid going to Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, historic uh, college season for Burrow. I mean, he's wowed everyone at LSU. Now, he did only have one season of that type of, as I said, historic production, but it's really a no-brainer for Cincy. They need to provide some life and some fuel for that offense. Yeah, and I think you look at you. Look, he really matched production, but then also when you look at the tape, he really was able to make all kinds of throws, you know, from within the pocket on the move. And I think it also helps. Obviously, you're not going to draft a player based on where he grew up, but I think it's extra incentive knowing he's the hometown kid. Something that the uh, entire fan base of the Bengals can really rally behind. I guess, yeah, my one concern for Burrow is he only did it for one year. So the question is, like, is he a systems quarterback with Joe Brady, kind of the architect? Now I believe he is in Carolina. So that would be my one concern. But I think what the smart teams do is they see what a player did well, even if it was only one year, and they're able to translate that for the entirety of a player's career. So if Zach Taylor, if the Bengals see uh, what took Burrow's game to the next level, I think he can have a very successful career because he showed we can what he can do on a football field. So yeah, not not much uh not much tension or uh, doubt with that one. And maybe maybe the second easiest pick of this draft, I think the Redskins have to go chase Young if they're not trading out. You know, I've been I've been a little bit of an advocate, uh, advocator for do they want to trade out of this pick? But I, as of this moment, I don't think they're going to. And if they don't, Chase Young, I, he'll be the pick. Yeah, by far the best player available. I'd be the best player in this draft. Um, people, I mean, scouts have said they haven't evaluated uh, edge rushers quite like Young. Uh, so athletic, has so many uh, moves off the ball, and I mean, it, I I think it's just a no-brainer for Washington. You gotta take the best player available here. He is the best player in this draft. Also, <laughs> you go back to the hometown kid. Uh, he actually, I think, also grew up in like the Maryland area. So I think, uh, you know, that's kind of a nice uh fun fact as well. But Chase Young is the best player in this year's draft. And the only reason why he's not going number one is because of the value of the quarterback position. So I think Cincinnati's right picking Burrow over Young. But uh, Washington is going to get a player who really could take over the league from day one. A lot like what Nick Bosa did uh, for the Niners last year. And really completely transform a defensive line that has a lot of talent. But sometimes... The talent hasn't always shown its full potential, a lot like what the Niners did last year with Bosa. So, Shai, let's get to the third pick. And, you know, for our listeners, we did a no-trade mock draft. So we kept the lines at three. We had him taking Jeffrey Okuda, 
They traded away Darius Slay to the Eagles. Now they get his replacement, Nakuda, a guy who's drawn a lot of comparisons to guys like Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore. And again, you look at his tape, he can be and really has shown a true number one island, you know, leave him on an island type of cornerback. And I don't see why uh, he can't make the transition. Cornerback's a very tough position uh, to go from college to the NFL level. But I definitely think Akuda has the talent, the technique, all those uh, intangibles. I think he has the total package and will be able to make the transition. How about you, Shy? Yeah, definitely. It's almost like he was built in a lab to play corner. I mean, you got the size, you got the speed, huge wingspan there, and he's able to really go and deflect passes. He's got great ball skills. You don't see him uh, break technique a lot, and I think he'll do great in uh, Matt Patricia in Detroit. I think he had no no pass interference, no holding penalties for at least this past year, maybe even longer. So. His game is very, very clean, uh, and he's, again, one of the better players in this year's draft. Now, if I'm Detroit, I'm really, really trying to trade back, because I think the Giants at four, I don't think, could they take Akuda? Of course, but I don't think they're taking Akuda. And then you go to Miami and LA, uh, the Chargers, that is, and I think they're going to uh, go quarterback. So I'm really, if I'm Detroit... And I'm Bob Quinn, and I'm at Patricia. I'm really trying hard to get a deal done with the Chargers or the Dolphins. You still can probably get Akuda or maybe Simmons, so you can still get one of those top defenders, and you're able to gather an extra second or third round pick. And as we know, maybe they won't be first round picks, but those D2 picks are very valuable. Yeah, I definitely agree, the Lions should try to trade back if they can. Yeah. I I don't... It's looking like they might not be able to, but especially when you have guys like Patricia and Quinn, when, they're, uh, when their uh, butts are on the line, then, you know, on the hot seat, you know, I'm trying to, you know, accumulate as many picks as possible, especially when a guy like Akuda, who might be a top three or four player in this year's draft, he might slip due to an early run on quarterbacks and even offensive tackles. Speaking of offensive tackles... So, we had the New York Gi- Giants taking Tristan Wirfs. Now, we... I personally like Isaiah Simmons as a better all-around player. But I think when you factor in that gigantic, no pun intended, need for the Giants, along with offensive tackle is probably... is a top three position in terms of valuable in the NFL. You got quarterback, then you probably go pass rusher, and then you go to the offensive line, the offensive tackles in particular. Nate Soldier has really struggled, especially, you know, after this year, I think his dead cap number goes down significantly, so he's not the long-term answer. They signed Cameron Fleming to only a one-year deal. He's mainly been a career backup, so maybe he can help ease in Worfs or, you know, another young another young uh, tackle. But what really stood out to me, Shy, is on a conference call earlier this week, Dave Gettleman said, you know, that, remember, they signed Blake Martinez as a lot, you know, to kind of take over that linebacking corpse, that linebacking room. And on a conference call, Gettleman said how he really 
pointed out to the offensive line class, the depth, and the group as a to- as a whole as to why they didn't pursue that position in free agency. Now, the drafts where anything can happen. I personally would love if the Giants traded back a few spots, you know, Miami, LA, even, you know, you know, even Las Vegas, you know, that would be a lot, but they have two first rounders. So if you can get both their first round picks, I think that would be uh that'd be a pretty good package. Obviously this Giants team is far from competing. They have a lot of holes still on this team. But based on Gettleman's comments, based on some rumors that are being floated around out there, I think they're going to stay at four at the end of the day, and I think they're going to go offensive tackle. Yeah, Worfs has the athleticism, probably the best balance, in my opinion, of that athleticism and potential with that sort of polish in this year's draft. Uh, I like him as a great fit for Gettleman at the Giants. Yeah, so I I, I think this... Right now, yeah, I think I think Worf will be the pick. Obviously, I've seen maybe Andrew Thomas gaining steam. Um, they could always go defense. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, possibly Derek Brown, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. But I think at this point in time, I'd be I very much think they're going to be going uh, offensive tackle. Which again, you look at the need, the value, of the position, and how hard it is to develop and find. I think this pick does make a lot of sense. So, now we have the Miami Dolphins at five, and there's been a lot of rumors. Tua, Herbert, Herbert, Tua. We had him going Tua, but right now it's anyone's guess. Yeah, the speculation has been flying, but I think if you look at Tua's just way more polished all around. His only questions are really injury-related. Right, exactly. He's got much better accuracy than Herbert. You know, and he's shown that that, we're, that he can really, really thrive uh, in the Alabama system, you know, obviously with Nick Saban. But I think Tua should be uh, obviously the no-brainer. The only thing that's stopping that is the injury. But I think Miami will recognize sort of Tua's talent over being superior to Herbert's. Obviously, Herbert has that huge arm, but I don't think it so I'm going to kind of group these uh, five and six because we had the Chargers taking Herbert. But the thing that makes this year different than other years is if a guy gets injured, you can at least, or at least if we're rehabbing from an injury, you can bring him in for a personal workout or you know an interview. You can go see them one-on-one at their pro day. You can go out to dinner with them in these unprecedented times that, you know, we haven't really ever experienced before, at least not, you know, and doctors can't get hands-on experience with Tua. That's why I think it's a bigger risk than in any other year. You know, any other year, you can speak to the agent, you know, one-on-one. You can speak to his personal doctor. You can speak to him. You can run your own tests. You can run your own physical or medical but with obviously with the virus and you know travel being uh forbidden for good reason these doctors aren't allowed to do that which makes Tua even more of a risk cuz at this point i think he he is healthy he looks healthy i think he's fine but when you're bringing in a rookie there's more question about 
how will everything hold up two, three, four years from now than his rookie season? Because I don't, you know, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm fine if maybe he's still a little bit banged up heading into his rookie year. I'm more concerned for the future. When you draft a quarterback in the top five, you're not worried about year one. You're worried about two, three, four. Because when you draft, again, when you draft a quarterback at the spot, you're hoping that guy is your franchise quarterback for the next decade to a decade and a half, maybe even more. So we saw Andrew Luck get beat. Andrew Luck, if I'm not mistaken, did not have any injury concerns, and he gets beaten up, and all of a sudden he's out of the league at a very young age. So I definitely there. I definitely think there are real concerns with Tua, and I think with all these rumors, obviously it could all be a smokescreen. And I think that's a bit of the reason why we uh, stuck with Tua at the five spot to Miami. But at this point in the process. I don't, it's looking like Herbert could possibly be the pick. And now kind of, as we kind of jump into Herbert going six shy, he, I think, has a higher ceiling because of the big arm. Because of just his body and the way he was built. You know, he's strong, he's big. But at the same time, he's really struggled just with being inconsistent. He's really inconsistent. He'll have a great game uh, one game, and the next week, you know, you, you can't believe it's the same guy. So I think his biggest concern, for me at least, is inconsistency. What say you? Yeah, I think that's certainly it. I think accurate. I think when you talk about inconsistency, you're talking about that accuracy again. That's why two is like so much more uh, over Herbert in that regard. And I think, you know, we... I think that this is why it got it makes more sense for the Chargers because they have uh, someone like uh, Terod Taylor who who they can let start and kind of let Herbert sit back and, and learn a little bit as he might need to because as we talked about at the NFL level you want to kind of polish out those those kind of uh, flaws and inconsistency um, but I I do like the fit here got a big strong arm good deep ball. Just, I agree, and to polish out those those accuracy kinks. Yeah, so those will be those will be kind of the two teams. Are they going to trade up? Are they going to stay and take a quarterback? Do they surprise us and maybe take it one of the top defensive playmakers? So I think these are really two interesting and exciting teams to watch. And I think what makes the draft so interesting is we really don't know. So let's go to the Panthers. They take the all versatile. Linebacker out of Clemson, Isaiah Simmons. He can do it all, but it's going to be really important how they use him. Because if they don't use him correctly, I don't know if he can reach what we all know he can. For me, this is kind of a, like a, a steal, honestly. Uh, you're, you may be saying, well, there's so many great players that we just listed ahead of him, but he's had one of the most... Uh, largest potential in his class for his position. I mean, maybe in the whole draft, just because how versatile and how athletic he is. I mean, when you watch him on the tape, the range really stands out. Sure, tackler. And when after Keithley retired, this is a guy that is capable, capable, not saying he will, but he's capable of coming in <clears throat> and to replace that kind of all-pro caliber player. Uh, and star that Keekley was in that defense to be a leader in that defense. I think that's what they really need. Um, and I and I think his in his versatility and range allows him to uh, really be such a player. I think we'll see that uh, with the Panthers. 
yeah, this guy is arguably a top three, top four player overall. So getting him at seven is a pretty good, is good, really good value for Carolina. Uh, I think they, you know, we really don't know what they're going with. I think with the retirement of Luke Keekley, if Simmons is there, I think that's where they'll go. It makes a ton of sense. But I could see them taking a Derek Brown after losing some of their key defensive tackle contributors. I could see them uh, attacking the offensive line. You know, they traded for Russell Okun, but, you know, Russell Okun's obviously getting older and uh, isn't the same player he once was. So I think the Panthers... Uh, are really one of those teams that they really could truly take the best player available because of how they're uh, suited. But I think right now the Panthers are a very interesting team because we don't really know which way they're going. Yeah. So, go ahead, sorry. I think in a lot of people's opinion, especially in mine, Simmons would be the best player available. And I think the fit just makes sense. So, yeah, let's move on. All right, let's go to the Cardinals. We had him taking Jedrick Wills Jr., uh, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. You got your franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. You traded for DeAndre Hopkins. You have Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. You definitely have some really good pieces. You know, they brought, they're they going to bring back Kenyon Drake. They have a really good pieces on that offense. But when you have a young quarterback, or really any quarterback for that matter, you have to, have to, have to protect him. That's why we had the Giants go offensive line at four, and that's why we're going Cardinals at eight going offensive tackle. Although I've had heard rumblings that they could, if Derek Brown's available, which he is in this situation, Derek Brown could be the pick. But uh, I think they have to go offensive line. They brought back DJ Humphreys, but I still think they need a tackle opposite of him. This... I think the only thing missing, as you said, in this offense, which is going to be very high-powered, I think, uh, is, is it really offensive tackle. You need to protect the franchise quarterback, as you said. And now, after after this pick, you can really just go and address that defense, which there's a lot of holes to fill. But I think this, this pick really kind of solidifies that offense as uh, being ready to compete. The defense, on the other hand, definitely not. But... I do think this pick is needed to really solidify that offense. All right. So we had uh, Jacksonville with their first of two first-round picks going Derek Brown. For me, Brown is a top five to six player in this year's draft. He's one of the best players in this draft. So I think the Jaguars get a great value here at nine. They could go online. They could go receiver. They could even trade back. But I think Derek Brown is too good va- too good of a value to pass up, especially when you see them kind of wanting to rebuild that defense, trading away guys like Boye, Ramsey. Looks like they might be trading away Yanni Ngakwe. So really they're trying to rebuild that defensive line. They, got, they snagged Josh Allen, who was tremendous for them last year. Now they snag the best interior defense lineman, Derek Brown. I really love this pick for Jacksonville. Yeah, a lot of us aren't really sure what Jacksonville's rebuild was going to be, and it happened so quickly, too. But I think we can be sure that if he's this guy on the board, this should be the pick for Jacksonville. They just traded away Glaze Campbell, which is a huge playmaker and leader on that defensive line. In the middle of it, I think Derek Brown will be a very, very key piece. Uh, in rebuilding this Jacksonville defense. All right, Cleveland at 10. Makai Becton, we had him going Makai Becton. We saw what they did with all those fancy weapons. Odell, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. But they really struggled, and it's because that online was atrocious. They get the Dancing Bear at number 10. I'm not a huge fan of Makai Becton, but other people uh, who obviously are 
more important and who know more than I do are bigger fans than Mekhi Beck, uh, on Mekhi Becton. I think his ceiling is probably the largest or the highest among this tackle group, but I also think his floor might be is through the basement. Yeah, he's really raw. I think one of the reasons why I think him going to the Browns makes more sense is because they have uh, just signed Jack Conklin, and I think obviously you want him to come and play as soon as possible, but it gives him a little more breathing room in terms of developing him, and I think they can afford to take a little bit of a chance on, on that, considering on his potential could be, like you said, through the roof, so uh, not, again, not polished as, as much as you want, not as, maybe not so NFL ready right now, but hopefully he'll, he'll learn behind, uh, he'll learn a little bit, and uh, he'll come in as a key starter to really help out Baker Mayfield. He might be the biggest boom or bust uh, player in the first round. So now we're going to have the final tackle of the so-called Big Four at number 11, Jets take Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, for me, is the exact opposite. He doesn't have a huge ceiling, but I think if you need a tackle to play today, he's your man. No, I definitely agree. Most polished guy uh, in this class, right, class most NFL-ready, I think that's just what the Jets want here. I think they, 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 they want Sam Donald to be nice and protected. Uh and I, I think it's a no-brainer. Okay, so now the Las Vegas Raiders, not Oakland, Vegas. That'll get some time. I'll need to have some time to get used to that. They take the first receiver off the board, not Jerry Judy, but C.D. Lamb. They need a big play threat. Lamb is tremendous with the ball in his hands, especially getting all those yak yards after the catch yards. Now you get a guy to pair up with Tyra Williams, who's a solid receiver, but not really a true number one. And now all of a sudden, you have Josh Jacobs, you have Tyra Williams, you have CeeDee Lamb, you have even Hunter Renfro in the slot. Now, once you get that true number one receiver that I believe Lamb can turn into, now you have the makings of a, of a potential potent offense. Yeah, uh, I think they could go really any of these top receivers here, but I obviously, I think Lamb could really be what they're looking for, that big play guy, that guy who can really line up anywhere, and as you said, the yards after the catch is huge, and the ability to go up and get those 50-50 balls, then make those contested catches, and that's one of the reasons why we have him going at 12 and the first receiver off the board. So, now the Niners, remember, they got this pick in a trade when they sent DeForest Buckner to the Colts, so now the Niners pick 13th, and with their first of their two first-round picks... They grab the second receiver, Jerry Judy, who, for me, is the most polished of the group. He might not, he can run every route in the route tree. He has solid big playability, but uh, the, the, he reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel, who's also with the Niners, which, although we had a mock to San Francisco Judy, I could see them going in a rugs to get that versatility at the receiver position. But we know Kyle Shanahan likes these type of receivers, and Jerry Judy can really do a lot because of how NFL ready he is, especially being able to run all sorts of different route concepts. Yeah, we were thinking this pick could be Henry Ruggs to kind of replace that sort of speed that Emmanuel Sanders gave them. But I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to pass up sort of uh, a talent like Judy with that tremendous route running ability, and he's fast too. You're not talking about it because of how fast some other guys in this really deep receiving class are, but he's fast. He's got one of the best hands in this class as well. I, I think the, the, the 49ers are thrilled that he's here for them 
I think what separates him from the rest, Judy, um, his ability to run every route, and then also the way he's able to separate. That's next-level type of stuff. So now we're going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They kind of... Uh, they go cornerback. They're going to take C.J. Henderson, the second cornerback in our uh, mock draft out of Florida. And at, when we were making it just, you know, a couple of days ago, we were thinking, yeah, it's solid value. But as I hear more and more, Henderson could uh, – um, I'm hearing more rumors that Henderson could end up as early as the ninth overall pick and possibly in kind of that 9-10 range. So I think Tampa Bay getting him at 14 is actually really good value. Yeah, I mean – the weak length right now for Tampa Bay, which is a team that's obviously looking to compete after uh, landing the Tom Brady sweep, sweepstakes, is they need that secondary, and corner is a huge spot there. They don't have a true number one. Hopefully, Henderson can go and develop into that number one guy for them, because the secondary does need a lot of improving. Henderson both should hopefully help that. There's been rumors that Tampa Bay might trade up. And obviously, they could trade up for Henderson. But if you're trying to trade up into the top 10, I think another need they have is offensive tackle. For me, this is a little too early for Josh Jones. Uh, so, you know, we had him going later, Jones. So I think Tampa Bay, I could really see them trying to trade up for one of the top four offensive tackles. Or maybe they do try to trade up for Henderson. Because I think a lot of teams might start getting a little aggressive for Henderson. And we'll get to another team that's aggressive for Henderson in just a few minutes. But first, at number 15... There we go. Henry Ruggs the uh, third for the Denver Broncos. You really had a speed demon, a guy who can stretch the field. Now you have a big guy in Cortland Center on one side and an absolute complete speedster in Henry Ruggs. Really good wide receiver duo. You add Melvin Gordon to your backfield with Philip Lindsay, and now you have a young quarterback in Drew Locke. Again, we're seeing a, there's kind of a theme in, the, in this range. Offenses getting that extra weapon to really complete a talented offense, and Denver's no different. Yeah, I think you said you summed it up perfectly. I mean, they've got this. They've got the. They've got sort of the more thunder in, in this sort of big play, fifty-fifty uh, catch ability and sudden, and you got the lightning speed with Henry Ruggs. I think you're giving uh, you're giving a young quarterback and Drew Lock a lot of weapons here. And hopefully this Denver offense should shape up to be uh, to really improve because of this pick. Another team that I could see maybe possibly trading up to take one of those top four tackles because a lot of teams need offensive tackles. They also trade for Boye, so I don't think they would trade up for Henderson. Um, so now we have uh, the Atlanta Falcons taking K. Le'Veon Chasen. I've heard a ton, a ton of rumors that they are poised and eager and have a desire to trade up. And I think that's the team that's going to really try to uh, put the cards all in on C.J. Henderson. Again, we did a no-trade mock draft, so we had him taking Kalevi and Jason at 16. You pair him with Dante Fowler, who they got in free agency, and now all of a sudden you have a solid um, outside linebacker slash uh, edge rusher duo, along with Grady Jarrett in the middle of the uh, D-line as well. Yeah, I think this, as you said, specifies the sort of defensive line front seven a little bit more. I think when when I think he has a really I think Jason has a really uh, high potential here because of how athletic and how fast he is. That speed rush that he has, wow, that can be just really hard to stop. And when a lot of not a lot of guys about pass rushers aren't able to execute it, but when it's pulled off, certain guys can do it, and it's very hard to stop if you're a big offensive tackle. Uh, 
Yeah, he has all he has all the traits to be a great D lineman, but he he was a lot like Rashawn Gary uh, of last year in the sense that his production never really matched up. So again, if you can coach him the right way, he could be a steal at sixteen. But again, I could really see them trading up into the nine ten range for a guy of like C J Henderson's caliber. So now let's go to the Cowboys. This is one of my favorite picks in terms of value. Javon Kinlaw. I think he's arguably a top 10, top 12 player in this year's draft. You get him at 17. They had they made some decent additions to the interior D-line. Uh, they did lose Malik Collins. Uh, but they also they signed uh, Jaron McCoy and Don Terry Poe. Two nice veteran presents. Uh, and now you have another guy in Kinlaw who... Now you have a really good rotation. You can uh, sub in, sub out, especially because I believe Poe's deal is only one, maybe two, but I believe only one year. So you can step in in another year, but uh, I really like this pick for Dallas. Yeah, talk about value. I mean, this may be one of the best value picks we have in this mock, and there's no question why. He's strong. He has after play. He can get split double teams, push the I mean, stuff the run. He does everything that on that interior divine spot and I think the Cowboys just love to have them really secure uh, that defensive line yeah so let's go to Miami obviously we had them taking Tua when you have a again young quarterback especially a guy who suffered his fair amount of injuries in Tua you have to protect him that's why we have our fifth already fifth offensive tackle off the board in Josh Jones out of Houston he's kind of the beginning of that second tier but at the same time he's a bit of a project but I do think he is worthy of a first-round pick. Yeah, when people talk about Josh Jones, definitely not super polished, but he has good technique, and that's really one of the things you don't want to have to teach uh, in the in the NFL. You want them to be coming in with that, uh, because then you can sort of build on that solid foundation, and that's what Josh Jones has. Hopefully, he can come in there and uh, help out Yeah, so now the Raiders, they grabbed Jonathan Abram last year. Here they go with Xavier McKinney. I It's an okay pick. It values fine, but I just think McKinney, he can play free safety, but he also might be better off down in the box, which is what Jonathan Abram do, does well. So, I mean, I know, Shai, we kind of debated a tiny bit on this pick. I thought they should have gone more corner. You thought they should have gone McKinney's, McKinney, so we did end up settling on um, McKinney because I, I really could have gone either way. So, I th- it's a good pick. I just think some of his traits are a little similar to Abrams. I think that you look at the corners here, and none of them really stick out. Well, we had a corner going the next pick. We'll get to that in a sec, but we had a corner going the next pick. Does I mean, one spot doesn't make a huge difference, in my opinion, especially in this range. I think you're right, but I, I think that if, the, if, let's say the picks are reversed, I think the Jags... And by the way, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trayvon Diggs out of cornerback out of Alabama. I think that when you look at guys like Diggs or Gladney or whoever you want to take next, uh, I think they're really just not as polished. There's, there are much bigger projects to work with. Um, and I, and I, I think McKinney's really just got all you want right now. And I, and I think, you, yes, you have Abram there, but I think you take the, the, the better player in the secondary that's available. That's why I like the pick more. But I can definitely as well see if they want to go a guy like Trayvon Diggs. I'm just more of a fan of the McKinney pick. 
Okay. And so, yeah, we had Jaguars taking McKinney. Or, sorry, not McKinney. We had the Jaguars taking Diggs. They trade away Ramsey. They trade away Boye. Again, you know, you go Derek Brown. You're, make, you're making that D-line after taking Josh Allen last year. So you remake the D-line with Allen and Brown. And now you're starting to remake the secondary with Diggs. I like this pick. It's a solid pick. I think there's a lot of room for debate to see who the third cornerback off the board is. This was uh, our best guess. But at this point... We really don't know who that third cornerback is uh, going to be. But he Diggs has the traits to uh, transition to the NFL and be a, a good cornerback uh, for Jacksonville. Now at uh, 21, we got the Eagles taking Justin Jefferson from LSU. I don't think it's a slam dunk they go receiver. And, and I know, you know, Eagles fans, you know, might go crazy if they don't. But this is just such a great, great receiver class that you can get great value and talent in the second and third round. I understand if they want to take Jefferson, uh, but I don't think it's a slam dunk they go receiver, especially if a team like Jacksonville uh, takes Jefferson before Philly does. Yeah, I think if they're going to go receiver here, which we decided that they would, uh, which they obviously could decide not to, uh, I agree with you on that, but I think it has to be Justin Jefferson. If he's not there, it doesn't make sense for them, in my opinion. Jefferson, to me, is a no question for best receiver in this draft. He is really shifty. He can play outside, play in the slot, good hands, wins those 50-50 balls, got good speed. Yeah, one of the most well-rounded receivers, in my opinion. Yeah, at the same time, he's probably, he is probably the fourth receiver, but I do think that after those top three, a lot of um, what's out there, especially at the receiver position, is up for debate. I think, you know, you look at different big boards across the NFL, obviously we can't see it, but if we could, I don't know. I don't know if it's a slam dunk if Jefferson's the number four receiver. He probably is across most boards, but I think after those top three uh, receivers, there's a lot of gray area. Who's four? Who's five? Who's six? Who rounds out the top ten? So I think after those top three, there's a lot of room for debate, although I do think Jefferson is probably the fourth best receiver in this class. So let's go to Minnesota. They have two picks pretty close to each other. Their first pick, they don't they go pass rusher, not AJ Epinesa, but Yitor Grossmatos, the edge rusher out of Penn State. He's a good he's a good solid player, and I think, you know, they lost Everson Griffin. Now they get a guy uh, to replace him. Yeah, I think uh, you summed it up perfectly. I think it's a position of need. This they want to keep that defense right where it was last year, one of the best in the league. And Interiors Mottos will make that happen. Great passer has got, got developed a lot of uh, good pass moves now. I I, I like him a lot for the Vikings. Yeah, this this pick makes just a, a lot of sense, and um, yeah, so. That pick makes a lot of sense. So now let's go to the Patriots. We thought about giving them Jordan Love, uh, and obviously we actually did not have Jordan Love in our mock draft. So, but I, I want to talk a little bit about him at the end. But you know, we thought about giving him Love. We thought about because uh, we really don't know which way Belichick will go. We really don't know uh, who the Patriots like and don't like. So we went with best player available, the best value available, which you don't see a lot in this uh, part of the. Uh, in a draft because, you know, really need sticks out. But we had him taking linebacker out of LSU, Patrick Queen. He's a guy not quite of uh, Isaiah Simmons' versatility caliber, but he is pretty versatile. He can cover. 
He can kind of play that quarterback spiral. He can go sideline to sideline. So I really like this pick for New England. I think it's great value here at 23. And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Queen goes even a little earlier. Um, yeah, I think let's go into some other one where we debated a little bit. I was more of a fan of taking Jordan Love. Which I think is very possible. I just I, I personally don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be totally surprised. Yeah, I, I think... It, I think because it's, you don't think it's going to happen because you haven't really seen it yet in our lifetime. <laughs> but uh, I, I think they're both probable. I think if Bill Belichick sees a guy like Queen on the board here, how about that defense that lost Kyle Van Noy, who's a big player for them in the middle. He has better range than Van Noy, and I, I would love to see what Belichick can do with Queen in this defense. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Queen's a guy that you can really use in different ways, and I think we know uh, Belichick's a, a tremendous uh, coach, but also a great defensive mind. I think he could really do great things with a guy of Patrick Queen. So now we have another linebacker going to the Saints. And again, there's also been rumblings to the Saints take Jordan Love. We, obviously, I think the Saints are in win now mode, knowing this could be Breeze's last year, if not last two years. So they take, again, linebacker out of Oklahoma, Kenneth Murray. Again, I think this is really good value. I think Queen and Murray are kind of right next to each other. Some people have Queen Murray. Some people have Murray Queen. Uh, so I think this is a great pick for the Saints. You really, Demario Davis is getting up there in age. And, uh, you know, he's also, I think, on the wrong side of 30. So I think this is a really good uh, player for Murray. Or, sorry, a really good pick in Murray for the Saints. You can plug him in right away. He can take over if uh, Davis leaves after a year. I really like this player. Yeah, I like him too. I think this, the Saints are probably hoping that, the, you know, Queen would fall to them. Uh, but, for, again, for all we know, they like Murray ahead of Queen. Like, I... I think it's really like Queen Murray, Murray Queen. Like I think they're right next to each other. I think it really depends on what your scouts and general manager think. So I I think it's closer than I guess you do. Well, I I actually do like Murray better as a prospect. Interesting. The Saints need more range. Mario Davis, that's one of his. He is getting older, but he doesn't have the range. He played a lot at the box and had that side to side break speed. Murray. I think actually Murray is great range. Maybe not in terms of if you're matching him like one on one, but if you were to go sideline to sideline, I actually really like Murray's range. They both have good range. I think Queen is more versatile in that regard. Okay, I then that's both, fair. I think Murray's a sure tackler, but I don't know if they need that with David. With Demar uh, Davis still being there at this point, uh, but I, I think they're they're still happy to get Kenneth Murray here. Uh, Definitely, I think more polished than Queen does not as much uh, potential or things that I, in my opinion, but it's, it's close. Also, he went to LSU, sort of a local guy, Queen did. Queen, yeah. That's true. That's true. Moving See, on. moving on, the Vikings grab a receiver to replace Stefan Diggs, and it's not Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't know. I, I saw a rumor earlier today that there could be in talks with the Browns about Odell. I don't know how much truth that rumor holds. Uh, so we're not going to really get into that, although that would be something if a year after the Browns acquired him, they traded him. But they take uh, the fifth receiver, at least who I think the fifth receiver is, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything. He he did have, I believe, core muscle surgery, or but I don't think it was as bad as Chenault, LaVisca Chenault, because I still see him going in the first round. At the end of the day, I think Ayuk does sneak into the first round. 
Although I could see teams pass on a receiver knowing they can get one um, in the second, third, even fourth round, who maybe they won't be as good, but again, you look at the value, could be better value. But we had Minnesota going gross Matos at 22, and now at 25, they take Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I think this is a pretty a team with not a huge amount of holes here. And I think now after they traded Diggs, you know, who wanted to, to be out of there and wasn't very happy. They get a guy like Ayuk. And I think they go with the guy rather than trying to replace a sort of big priority of Diggs. They go with the guy that more complements Adam Hewitt. A uh, good route runner, good hands, very explosive um, after the catch, uh, very shifty. Doesn't have great size, but I don't think that's Adam Hewitt playing on the opposite side of him. Yeah, and I think it depends, you know, what he, each receiver has their own skill set. You know, and Marquise Brown d- doesn't have great size. A lot of receivers in the NFL actually are sub-six-foot guys. So I don't think, you know, depending on what your skill set is, size isn't always a huge issue, um, you know, for a receiver. So I don't think that'll be a, a big problem. So let's go to Miami. How many times do we have to say this, the Dolphins? Their third first-round pick of the first round they addressed their own line. They addressed the quarterback. They still could address the line here. Wouldn't be surprised if they did go two thirds of the first round offensive line. But we had them going on the defensive side of the ball. They had made some nice additions like Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones, and free agency. So we added to their defensive line an edge rusher out of Iowa, AJ Epinesa, who a lot of people thought was being overrated. But now that he's dropped, but I don't think everyone thought that. So now he's dropped so much that he's possibly being underrated now. I think it's really. I think at twenty six, that's really good value. Um, I think he has the traits to be a really good defensive lineman. I think he's a bit of a safer pick than maybe a guy like Kalevian Chasen, just because of he's shown he can produce. Uh, Chasen not as much, but at the same time, I think Kalevian Chasen, you know, for doing comparison, has a lot more upside than Epinesa. But I'd really like the spot for Miami. You go grab a pass rusher that can turn into, you know, a nice, you know possibly nine ten sack guy and if you're getting that guy especially at the end of the first round that's that's good value i like this pick for miami obviously yeah i like it as well i think obviously we said the production is there um he's pretty polished but the only issue is he does not have that athleticism putting up a pretty horrid combine that's why he fell yeah uh, I, th- I think the combine, I know this year without pro days, it'll carry some more weight than usual, but I don't love the combine um, when we're talking about uh, 40-yard dash or those type of drills. I look more at positional drills because I think you look at you know a 40-yard dash time or a three-cone time, it's like one of the some of these players, are they ever going to have to run 40-yard dash time in shorts? Like, have we ever seen the guy just come up and like go, walk on the field in shorts and like a, you know, a sweatshirt? So I think that's why the combine um, carries a little more weight than maybe it should. I look at more positional drills because that really sh- can show technique. And uh, he didn't have the great combine, but I think if you can watch his film, you can see that he's a guy. He can, he'll can he have good production. And again, at the end of the first round, if you can get a guy like uh, Epinesa, I think that's a good pick for Miami. So uh, at 27, uh, I we really want to give Seattle a pass rusher. But we just didn't quite see the value in that. Especially got uh, we actually have an edge. I guess an edge guy going next to Baltimore. We'll get to that in a minute. But we had Seattle uh, trying to stock up their secondary, the fourth cornerback off our board. 
uh, Jeff Gladney out of TCU. I've really seen him rise in recent weeks uh, to the point where he uh, could very well go in the first round. Again, this cornerback room, these cornerback prospects, the order in which they go are very, very unpredictable. Uh, so, yeah, we had Gladney going off as our fourth cornerback. Yeah, I think this Seattle defense is trying to sort of rebuild that secondary a little bit. It hasn't been group. But um, I think they, they've got guys like uh, Quadri Diggs. They've got Shaquille uh, Griffin. I think there's just another piece in there. Uh, and then obviously they could, um, for their pass rushing group, bring back Clowney. He's still on the market. So, and it looks more and more like they will do that. Obviously, we don't know. But, uh, so I just got an alert on my phone. Want to just make sure it wasn't anything crazy. But yeah, I do like to pick here uh, for Gladney for in Seattle. Yeah, so now at 20, at 28... The Baltimore Ravens take, uh, he's listed as an edge rusher slash outside linebacker, Zach Bond. Uh, he's a guy who's probably going to blitz more than a guy like Simmons or uh, Murray or Queen. But at the same time, he can still drop back, drop back in coverage, make tackles in the open field. So I really like this pick for Baltimore. I think they can use him in multiple ways. And I think Bond is a really good... Again, he's not ultra-versatile, but I do think he does bring some uh, type of versatility that can really benefit him on the next level, at the next level. Yeah, I think Baltimore could be in a spot where they may want to trade up, actually, because uh, they're, they're, you know, or they're really hoping that a guy like either... Queen or Murray? Queen would fall to them. They don't. I don't think they will... Uh, I like this pick for Baltimore. Actually, I really like Bond. Obviously, he tested. There's like he tested positive for like this diluted sample. He claims it was from drinking too much water. I don't really know. Uh, I don't think it's gonna damage his draft stock that much. So at the end of the day, I think this is good value for Baltimore. I think Bond's gonna be a late first, early second round pick. So I think this is the range Bond will go in. Yeah. And the Ra- the Ravens, they obviously they could. Sh- uh, uh, what's trade up, but uh, if anything, I can see them possibly trading back. Anyway, I really like this pick for Baltimore. I like Zach Bond a lot. Yeah, I think they want to get a, a inside linebacker here. They never really have truly filled that hole of CJ Mosley, but I do think they definitely need an edge rusher as well. So and Bond can do a little Bond. both too. He can. He's not. Yeah. You know. He's not a strict one trick pony. You know. You can. You can mix it up a bit with Bond. And uh, so I think I think that's uh, good. I think that's good for the Ravens. So now we have the Titans. They take our final offensive lineman in the first round, Austin Jackson. Austin. Austin Jackson, and uh, so I, I think this is a good good pick. I think we could see more offensive linemen go in the first round. Uh, but obviously have this sized up it. Uh, we just had a, a six. Another another situation where there's not a lot of glaring holes uh, on, the, on this on this uh, tight team. I think Austin Jackson would be uh, would be a nice fit there considering they just lost Connor, but they really just kind of always want to sort of that run it back feeling for them, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think this pick makes a lot of sense. Okay, so now 
The Green Bay Packers, again, this is a team that could be targeting a receiver. They could also target uh, Jordan Love as maybe the an early heir apparent to Rodgers. I don't see that. So we just had him go receiver. Again, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion they do it. Uh, I've seen a lot of mock dress, uh, mock Denzel Mims, but we had him going T. Higgins, another big body guy, Clemson. Uh, I, I like this pick. You have a guy of Adams who's, you know, can really stretch the field. Higgins can stretch the field, but he's also uh, more of a big body threat that can go up and get it. Yeah, I think you could really see Higgins or Mims. Um, could I could pick of either one, obviously, but I think uh, we see the appeal with one of the... Uh, I think Mims is probably more versatile in the fact that he has better speed, better route running, but Higgins... Uh, has more of that. I don't. I don't know though, because I think Mims. I think also was just a. He ran a great forty yard dash, but again, I think, you know, he maybe ran. He might not look as fast on tape, and I think the tape, um, might lean in Higgins' favor. So we'll we'll see. Maybe the combine did help Mims and gets him in the first round, or maybe uh, this is kind of just media talking him up because of the combine. So now. Our final two picks, we finished out with two cornerbacks to the Niners. We had another Clemson uh, guy, A.J. Terrell. And the Chiefs, we had an LSU guy. Oh, wow. Clemson, LSU. What a surprise. Uh, Christian Fulton. Uh, I think these are solid picks. I could see, though, a guy like Jalen Johnson uh, sneak in as a cornerback. But, uh, Shai, what do you think of these uh, last two picks, both uh, in the secondary? Yeah, so Richard Sherman's not getting any younger got burned a couple of times in the playoffs uh, when they were playing straight up man-to-man. I think they want to try to get another guy in that secondary because I think that Keller I Williams, believe he only has one more year on his contract too, Sherman. That as well. Uh, they want a guy to maybe learn behind and then come in if they don't want to resign him. Uh, Keller Wilkerson had a really nice season, but he, had, he hasn't really been producing besides that season. Uh, it was kind of seemed like a one-year. I don't know. Maybe he'll continue and maybe he won't. I think, I think with the Niners, I really think they don't have a pick in the second, third, or fourth round. That's a long time to wait. I really think they're going to trade this pick. I really, really like the Indianapolis Colts, who, remember, they made the tra- they traded their first-round pick to the Niners, so I think they could strike a new deal. I think the Colts, remember, they have multiple second-round picks, including the second pick of the second round with their trade with uh, the Redskins a year ago when the Redskins traded up for Montez Sweat. So the Colts have a lot of uh, capital in kind of day two, I believe. So I really like the Colts because I think they're hot on Jordan Love. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if they – obviously this mock is no trades, but I do think 49ers, I hope John Lynch – I think John Lynch will try to – Trade back. I think he has to, given the lack of draft capital they have. And Indy, good capital. I think they love, love. And, a, and again, I think, you know, you look at a guy like Jalen Johnson, some safeties are there, Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, Grant Delpit. So I definitely think there are ways to upgrade the secondary if you trade back just a couple of spots. 
And uh, again, cornerback's one of those positions that we really don't know the order you know, that's going to go in. So, again, at 32, we had the Chiefs taking Christian Fulton. They brought back Brashad, uh Yeah, they brought back Breland, on, I believe, on like a one-year, $4 million deal. They lost four. They really need a long-term option in that secondary um, other than Tyron Matthew. They need a guy uh, who can really at, – at the corner position. So, I, we thought Fulton was that guy. But, again, we really don't know how the corner position will shake out. Well, that does it for our first round mock draft. I'm going to talk about a couple of players, though. Cesar Ruiz, I think he will go in the first round. We didn't really find a spot for him, but I really could see Miami at 26 if they don't, you know, if maybe AJ Epinesa isn't there or they want to go a different route. Uh, maybe Tennessee, they have a pretty good online overall, but maybe they want to upgrade the interior. San Francisco, possibly. So I really like Cesar Ruiz. I think at the end of the day, he's going to sneak into the first round. What say you about Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan? I think I like him a lot. I think it's just that tackle is, is the name of the game right now on the offensive line for most teams. But I think, talking about interior alignment, there's not many guys that are more really just more you know, polished or coming out of Michigan is a great great uh, system there, well coached. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, and then I guess the final uh, guy I want to talk about before we wrap up our podcast is Jordan Love. Obviously, he did not fall into our first round mock draft, but we really didn't know a place for him. I think he will go. I think it could be a lot like Lamar Jackson a couple years back where he was available at 32 and we saw Baltimore trade back in the first round to snag him. Could we see New England take him at 23? The Saints take him at 24? The Packers even at 30? Uh, again, as I said, I really like the Colts trading up for him if he falls in the 28, 29, 30, 31 range. Indy has the early second round pick. So I really like that scenario. For me, Jordan Love might have the highest upside in this draft. He, his arm talent is through the roof. His he, I'm not saying he will be Patrick Mahomes, but his talent, he's very raw, but what he can bring to the table is Mahomes-esque. And I bring up this comparison because Mahomes wasn't this all-world prospect coming out. He had a lot of questions. He was very raw. He was, you know, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, but a lot of turnovers and interceptions in particular. He went to the Chiefs, and I think him setting a year, getting coached up by Andy Reid, one of the better coaches this league has ever seen, being able to watch a proven veteran in Alex Smith who has, like, a been-there-done-that type of resume, and just being able to soak it all in, I think the Chiefs handled Patrick Mahomes to perfection. And that's why I think Love... The biggest thing about where... I think the biggest part about this draft, especially Love, is where does he end up? Because if he's not rushed into it and he has a chance to sit back and learn and get coached up by someone who knows how to 
handled these type of things, I think he could turn out to be one of the best quarterbacks, if not possibly the best quarterback in this draft. So I think it's going to be huge to see where does he go, maybe above any other prospect in this class. Yeah, I, I think that would sort of be sort of something interesting to watch. Um, another guy I think could definitely on the first round, and just talking about him, he didn't go, was Denzel Mims. I think I like him a lot. I, you like him more than I do. I do, I do. Um, when you watch this recruit, this receiver class is just stacked from top is, to bottom, though. Stacked, but I think one team is gonna fall in love with him, and I would not be surprised if he does slip in the first round. Maybe we see a surprise team go receiver, when maybe they don't need to. Uh, just because I know you said it's a deep class, but maybe you fall in love with a guy. I don't know, but I think Mims really understands the receiver position. He is able to read the corners, uh, a lot of scrimmage in their leverages. He's, he's got great move uh, um, off the ball. Can win the 50-50 balls. Got speed. Deep good route running. One of them all, one of the better well-rounded guys in this class, too, for me. So I think it's another guy to watch. Um, I just think if I'm a general manager, and look, if – if I'm a pretty all-around complete team and my one need is receiver, I'll take one. Or maybe if a guy who's dropped, I'll take one. But I just think with the depth, yes, there are great receivers there at the top. But when you look at the depth of this class and Jalen Rager, you know, guys like that, you know, KJ Hill, KJ Hamler, you know, LaVisca Chanel, I just don't know if I'd be... I'd be a little reluctant to take one early, knowing that second, third, even possibly the fourth and fifth round rounds, we can get an established receiver who has a lot of talent, and and that in the first round we can address a position that maybe carries more value, like an offensive or defensive line or the secondary uh, positions like those. So obviously, we could could we see six, seven receivers go in the first round? Of course, and I think it speaks just how good this receiver class is, but I think you look at the depth, and I could see some of the guys uh, dropping as well because teams might be willing to wait on a receiver, which I which I personally, um, I think I would do if I were a general manager, unless, unless like, one of the top, top guys were there and was falling. So, before we wrap it up, I just want to get back to the Odell rumor. I saw a rumor Odell could get traded to the Vikings. Uh, I, saw, I saw it could be for, like, a second and a fifth, which would not... You know, compared to what the Giants got for him last year, is subs- you know substantially worse. I really don't know how true that rumor is, but I thought it'd be you know kind of just a fun thing to throw out there, and uh, something that you know if maybe it gets more serious to look out for. So obviously the draft April twenty third through April twenty eighth, NFL Network and ESPN are doing a joint. Uh, and combined kind of broadcast of it along with ABC. They're doing their own broadcast as well. I'm excited. Shy, no, you're excited. Do you have any other additional thoughts as we enter like the last minute? Yeah. Stay safe, stay inside, hope everything is well, and that will do it for Game Time Podcast with Alex Rubinson and Shy Dweck. See you next time.